This is a Power 98.7 podcast. Now we're talking. Subscribe to Power 98.7 podcasts in iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. There's more on power987.co.za. He is Chief Operating Officer at Sisaz. Chabat Tafatwa, always a, um, a pleasure. Good evening. Good evening, Nolitando. Always a pleasure to be here. And you're very right, a dramatic start to the year, hey? It really has been, Tafaz. I feel like a lot has happened. So maybe before we get into the rest of the year, let's take stock of just what we've seen this year to date. Yeah. Look, this year we started off with information that we got at the back of last year that uh, our largest steel producer, um, ArcelorMittal South Africa, was considering at the time to close what it called its longs business. So that's a lot of the steel that goes into the construction sector as well as the automotive sector um, because of reasons that include a slow economy, no spend in the economy, as well as some issues around scrap metal. And um, that, that was a scary prospect because that had the opportunity to set the country's industrialization um, aspirations backward many decades. Fortunately now, um, so we, we were involved, a lot of us uh, as industry associations were involved in trying to assist in finding a solution. And we now have the fortunate position that we find ourselves in now where um, the company has now um, informed the market that they will now be delaying that decision by another six months, pending some commitments that we are expecting from the state um, to come through and, and, and assisting the sector as well as the company. So um, a bit of good news, but it's six months worth of good news. What we need is a long-term solution. I think that's a highlight. Mm. Um, a lot of the sectors that we supply to have also been really showing some weak, um, weak prospects. And I guess that's what we'll talk about. Um, in this conversation. Absolutely. I think a big one to also uh, take stock of here, Tafazo, is the fact that globally, uh, you know, demand uh, for uh, anything really uh, is, of course, uh, a little bit mute. And that's because we are seeing economic downturns in many areas. PMIs are coming in from Europe and uh, other parts of Asia, and they're quite depressed. And I'm wondering uh, how that then, uh, you know, plays in to the metals and engineering sector. Yeah. So it's a good uh, starting point when you look at sort of the, the outlook because globally um, growth is expected to flatline um, um, into, from what it was last year. I think last year the growth number was about 3.1%. It's expected to be there or thereabouts a percentage point or two or a point percentage point or two in either direction when you look at IMF and the rest, at least into the medium term. So the uh, external environment is not expected to be to be very supportive. For the metals and engineering sector, the largest market for us outside South Africa is the African continent. Mm-hmm. And again, there um, the numbers are relatively, from an economic growth prospect number, they are relatively um, uh, strong, anything between 33 to about 4% um, across the different regions, of course. East Africa showing the most potential. But also there, we know that those countries are riddled with fiscal vulnerabilities, given the hard currency debt that they hold and the higher for longer narrative on the interest rates and the needing to refinance uh, their debt. So there's a lot of fiscal vulnerabilities and limited fiscal space in those countries. So it sort of limits the, the potential there. Then domestically, we are thrown with um, constraints as well as bottlenecks left, right and center. And that's where that's why we've highlighted these as risks for the year yeah. um, with, with notable um, with notable. Uh, downside impact for the sector. 
Um, but there is some green shoots that we do see. That's why we've penciled in a very marginal but positive number for this year, um, given what we see in particularly on the energy side and the electricity um, reform starting to take place as well as energy sector, energy private energy coming on board. That to an extent is feeding some positivity into our outlook, but uh, risks outweigh, and no doubt, risks outweigh the outlook um, in terms of downside risks, that is, they outweigh the outlook. I'm also touching the issue of geopolitics and how, uh, you know, we're thinking about that aspect. Uh, yeah. Even though we're here in uh, South Africa and it seems like, uh, you know, all of it is happening far from us, it is one big globalized world. Yeah, yeah, very true. Yeah, we also highlight that as well. And the way we are looking at the geopolitics is more from an inflationary point of view. Um, if you look at uh, the region where there's quite a lot of geopolitical tension right now, um, that region, and, and if one takes the assumption of uh, contagion and that Middle East um, um, uh, conflict widening outside of the two countries involved now, you then have the prospect of quite some significant inflationary pressure coming in the sense that that region supplies about 30% of the world's oil, I think it's about 13 to 15% of the world's gas. So what we would then anticipate from continued conflict in that area is inflationary, and that's how we mainly see it uh, playing through. But also there's another risk that we do see that what this global conflict is starting to shape is um, countries being either on the same side or opposing side, depending on their foreign uh, policy stance. And of course, we know then that affects trade patterns as well. Mm because either you're my friend or you're not. So there's those risks that then do play out. Um, just back on that first one in the mm. sense that if inflation remains higher for longer, interest rates, of course, may remain higher for longer, the global economic environment remains constrained. And again, to close off on this point, uh, on this particular area, is that what drives the sector's performance is investment and growth more broadly. And those two are, are, not, are not in the picture. We also do know uh, that 2024 is a big election year, not only here at mm-hmm. home, everywhere around the world, different parts, uh, our big trading partners everywhere uh, at Tafatwa. How does that mm-hmm. also play into the sector? Yeah, you know, on on that, you know, the way we are looking at the election outcome is irrespective of whatever outcome might come and political analysts will be better placed to talk about the different scenarios. But what we do see as a fact is that come post-elections, or firstly, in the lead-up to elections, you know it's election noise, so not much happens from a productive sort of economic debate and moving the needle forward. Post the economic, uh, post the election, what is the fact is that a new administration will need to sit, mm-hmm. and that configuration both at, um, possibly at cabinet level and at parliament. And what we see as a possible slowdown or speed bump at least, is that in the last two years, over the many conversations that we've had with you, we've made considerable progress as the private sector working with the state, as well as in localized issues in our state, in terms of reform policies that are need to go through either the parliamentary process, so there we're talking the energy amendment uh, regulation bill, we're talking the public procurement bill, we're talking some issues around scrap metal as well, and as well as some, 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 some um, policies around the revival of the steel sector. So to the extent that those conversations might have to start again when a new administration sits is what we see as a bit of a speed bump. And that will happen either way, irrespective of whatever outcome, political outcome plays out. And uh, really what we are pushing for is that to the extent possible, 
many of these reform policies at least should at least be passed into law before we get to that point, which is May and beyond. So what we are uh, looking for here more than anything is just some sort of certainty uh, when it comes to policy stability. Mm. Mm. Very true. Policy stability is key for us because the nature of the investments made in this sector are multi-decade long. So um, to the extent that you are going to get yet new capacity um, into the sector from a, from a steel production or just factories, again, capital intensive factories, you need that policy certainty going into the future. You need that, um, you need that firm commitment, particularly from the state investment, that uh, there will be a preference of strategic procurement, which has a preference for local, um, because that's the sort of signal that companies need to either expand or to continue their operations. And unfortunately, right now, we are not finding that firm commitment from a policy point of view of that um, strategic vision that, 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 that leans to preferring local production. And that's an area that we really need um, policy certainty across the other pieces of legislation, of course, as well. Um, that's critical as well. Well, Tafata, I know you and I will keep chatting throughout the year, especially as, uh, you know, key uh, risks either come to fruition or not. And I'm hoping yeah. a lot of it doesn't come to fruition. I don't think the sector can afford any more shocks. I'd like to thank you for your time this evening. Thank you, Norutando. Fantastic. Go wow. That was Tafata Chibunguza, who is Chief Operating Officer at Safe there. You've been listening to a Power 98.7 podcast. For more podcasts, visit power987.co.za or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.